passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18. That makes sense that these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind to Raw. It is another week with John Pollock and Waiting. Way is here. How are you? I'm doing pretty well, John. Yourself? Uh, I'm okay. We have survived the first snowstorm of the year here in Toronto. So it's over. Uh, well, it's not as bad as it was uh, this morning. It was. It was chaos. I heard um, there's like a fire in the subway, and so like a bunch of people had to walk basically from like stop to stop, and it was just yeah, chaos in that sense because. Buses were crammed, snow everywhere. It was not a good scene. Yeah, it was uh it was like Kiel to Kipling was shut down because there was a fire inside one of the subway stations. So this it was already insane with the, the weather and everything. I heard some stat that it was either I think it was like over the weekend or something, there were something like five hundred car crashes in the GTA. Days like that, that I'm really grateful that I have this job that um, I don't really have to commute for. Yes. One person on this line had to wake up at uh, 7.15 this morning uh, because I had to go uh, take care of uh, some car issues. So that was the place I wanted to be this morning at at 8.15 a.m. Was that a... (laughs) Was that an auto repair place coming off of this weekend? Which place do you... I mean... you don't have to. You can tell me this off air, but do you go to a place near your house or away, far away? Away, away. Because there's actually a great place next to your house that's that I've started going to. So, if you if you are ever caught in another snowstorm and need some emergency repair, I I would suggest that place. Okay, well I'll I'll remember that for next time. Maybe you can uh, slide that info over. But anyway, uh, it actually wasn't too bad. Uh, had to get there early, but they I was assuming. That this was going to, I was going to have to wait for this thing the entire day. And by noon, it was done. I was like, oh, that was a lot less painful than I imagined. Did you do any shopping this weekend? Uh, not this weekend, but uh, while I was killing some time today, I did go to the mall. And I was actually going to go watch a movie because I thought I'd have this this long wait. And then didn't feel like going to see a movie. So I did some random Christmas shopping of just like looking around and stuff. Malls are not what they used to be. I will say that. How so? So many places. Like this is a place where like I used to go when I was like younger in high school. It's like every single store you remember, it's shut down. It's closed. There's not even like there used to be like the HMV was like the big place in this mall. HMV shut down. It's 
it's just like a reminder of wow, it's a uh, we are a generation removed from when going to the mall was like a fun thing to do with your friends, and now it's just well, it's what I've always done where I go to buy stuff, so that's where I'm going to head to. Yeah, I mean, there are other places where I think you know younger people hang out these days. I mean, a lot of it probably more so online, but I, I just, well, that 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 doesn't require going out, does it? No, it doesn't. No, it's not really um, hanging out. That's just uh, no, existing in a in a dude, virtual we, world. We host a show called the Cafe Hangout, where we are literally hanging out with a bunch of our members. Yeah, but so. you physically leave your house for that. I can't say the same. But well, you the can. hangout is not just between you and I. We're hanging out with everybody who happens to be listening to us at that moment. Are you telling me that you and I have replaced malls? That yeah. instead of going to the mall, people are going to tune in and watch us. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Perfect. Well, what's uh, well, we will have the mall open uh, for an hour this coming Thursday. So look out for that. Did you ask me about going shopping because you have some story to share about going out this weekend? Uh, no, actually, I didn't really do any shopping myself. If if I if I do did, would do any shopping, I I would probably do it online and not so much at a mall. <laughs> Uh, well, that's who, it's it's way easier. It's way easier. Everyone's wondering about oh, all these stores that shut down. It's like how often do you go to these stores? And I'm I'm the same. It's like it's it, they've made it so convenient for you. I I just bought like some gifts on Amazon last night, and I don't feel great about it either. Why? Well, there's you know you want you you do want to be supporting your 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 local oh. economy. I mean. Yeah, there's a part of that where where I would agree, but I mean, what's the local? There's economy? also horrendous stories about how they ensure that you are able to get your mm-hmm. deliveries in 24 hours time, and these people that are just work to the bone and have to okay. h- hit these incredible quotas. So there, there's that too as well. I suppose so, but I mean, I guess what would the alternative be for you to support? Would it be like Best Buy? <laughs> Like the brick and mortar Best Buy? No, no, no. I'm saying like you know your your local businesses that per- potentially your dollars could be going elsewhere. Like instead of me oh. uh, buying waiting a brand new um, uh, book from Amazon, I could go down the street and get you like a hand knitted sweater that uh, or- Gloria's Fabrics. Uh, she's the fourth generation of Gloria's that has kept this business alive and. This sweater is going to get them through January. I could buy you that instead. Or you could get me a book from the local bookstore. I could. I could write you a book. I could do uh, – yeah, there's there's plenty of ideas. Well, then, um, anything else you got up to this weekend? Yeah, well, I mean, I, you know, I don't expect to, you to write me a book, but um, I did feel like drawing you a picture this weekend. Hello? Drawing me a picture. I'm I'm drawing a blank. That's what I'm drawing right now. Uh, I decided to draw you a picture, and I'm wondering if you'll like it. So maybe I'll just send it to you right now, so that I can get your live reaction. Christ, what have you, what have you done? And and in what way are you about to make fun of me? There's so many different you options you can go. Why are you this jumping to like these a, conclusions? Uh, this is uh okay. I've gotten a text from one waiting. I see an image that I'm gonna blow up. Oh, for Christ's sake. <laughs> why? Okay. Well, why do I have this look on my face? Why do I look like I'm 80 and I've just uh, seen some kid on my lawn? 
So over the weekend, John, I mean, I guess over the past week, of course, for those of you who listen to Rwanda Dynamite, um, a sensation that I can only call viral that uh, John Pollock himself has created, a new catchphrase, a little bit of the foily. And uh, John was like, you know, yeah, we should make a shirt. And I'm like, you said it. All right. I didn't say a word after that. And this is how how I spent my weekend. Our official, a little bit of the foily t-shirt with your blessing, John, available right now at store.postwrestling.com. Yeah, if you want to see this image where it looks like I'm about to throw up my first sip of a foily, uh, that, that is what this <laughs> looks like. Is this, is this available now, Way? It is now available. And yeah, some of you guys might be saying, oh, shit, I just missed out on the Black Friday sale. Well, I'm pricing this one at only nineteen ninety five, So essentially, it is it would be a 20-something percent off discount anyway. So $20. Yeah, it, w- it, w- it would be uh, $35 or so, but it's foily percent off. <laughs> Wonderful. Exactly. So yeah. Check check this out. Had some spare time over the week, over the weekend. And I wanted to test out my new iPad, so this was a good exercise for me just to get my drawing skills up there. Maybe maybe after uh, rewind away this week, which we'll get into our schedule, we can come up with a shirt where it's me yelling, "Way no!" <laughs> I just got the <laughs> reference. Yes. Oh, do you love that clip or what? Dude, it's it's in my notes too, and then you posted it, and it's uh, and I laughed out loud mainly because you left like your reaction right in the last second of the clip. But it's <laughs> it, me and my brother watched that show way back when it first aired, and okay, we would okay. always let's let's just catch people up. We're talking about the Royal Rumble 2000 this week's Rewind Away, and just this interview between Jeff Hardy with Terry Runnels and oh. Matt Hardy that you have to see. Like I. I give Ricochet a lot of grief, and I'm going to on tonight's review, but Jeff Hardy was something to behold in 2000, scolding Terry, who was going to... Here she is in her robe. She's getting ready for the, the Miss Rumble 2000 bikini contest, and she's she's planning to come out for this tables match, and Jeff had one word to combat this suggestion. Terry, no! No. The best part is when he says it and then puts his hands up into his face. Like he like he it wasn't enough that we his words were able to evoke, you know, the 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 idea that he does disapproves of the, of this. He has to put the hands on the face as well. We cannot argue now. No. <laughs> it's a great clip. It's uh terrible interview. Amazing match between the greatest the greatest dichotomy between an interview and a match oh is that so that will be what we are reviewing on to on Tuesday night on Rewind Away number fifty. Wow, big one number fifty. I can't wait. Presented uh, by uh, Tony Arthur, so he gets the big spot. Tony Arthur is going to be joining us also Tuesday on the site. Our own Andrew Thompson has an interview with Joey Janella. Wow, look amazing. Forward, look forward to that. Postwrestling.com. That's going to be coming out Wednesday. We've got our head-to-head shows with Rewind to Dynamite and Up Next with Braden and Davey. Thursday, the mall is open at 3 p.m. for all members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. Wei Ting and I, we will be going through all the latest news, taking your phone calls, and we will be joined by Greg Oliver of Slam Wrestling, also a noted author. He's going to be joining us uh, to chat about his most recent book, the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, the Storytellers, and an award that he's going to be receiving at Cauliflower Alley Club next year. So we look forward to having Greg on for the first time. Friday, it's Rewind to SmackDown for patrons, 
And then into the weekend, Sunday, we have two shows coming out. Sunday morning, it's Thunderstruck with W.H. Park. He's going to be joined by Joel Abraham of the Super J-Cast. They are chatting about Jushin Thunder Liger versus Taichi, our most recent Liger review from May of 2017 when these two had a match. And God knows the fuel they're going to get out of discussing this match. Um, I... You know, as a Tai Chi fan myself, I look forward to this deep dive about both Liger and also what Tai Chi offers. Um, I I don't remember this match, but um, I, I will probably watch it because if people can spend an hour talking about Liger and Tai Chi, like that's like the perfect podcast to me. Well, and then Sunday night, Wei and I will be back and we're going to go through and review the final night of the World Tag League that New Japan is in the midst of completing this week and probably get some more indication of some directions for the two Tokyo Dome shows. So that tour wraps up on Sunday. Wayne and I will have a show up Sunday night for all members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. So check all of that out over at postwrestling.com. Anything else to add, Way? Nope, that's it. All right. News time. This is a rare uh we get to go through Wednesday's ratings on a Monday. Um cool. Great. Yeah, I learned a lesson today that even when the numbers are delayed by so many days, the outrage does not take any days off. Uh, oh, people of were still going to war over these numbers. So uh, th- this was certainly an interesting week. This is going back to Wednesday, which of course was Thanksgiving Eve in the U.S. And in overall viewership for the second straight week, NXT uh, wins the night with 810,000 viewers compared to AEW, who had 663,000 viewers, uh, their lowest total to date. But again, it followed the pattern from the week before where AEW won all of the demos except for over 50, but this was a big drop for AEW down from the prior week where they did 893,000 viewers. Uh, they were down big in a number of big demos. And yes, it was, you know, I don't know how much Thanksgiving really plays into it. I'm sure like that's, that is a factor in all of this that, you know, people that are maybe don't have to work the next day is wrestling their priority. Uh, but to juxtapose that, This was, you know, both shows had some momentum here. You had NXT coming off that huge Survivor Series weekend, and AEW was putting a title match on with Chris Jericho. They were at the Sears Center, which you would think naturally should feel like a big show. Uh, What what did you think about uh, these numbers? And do you put a lot of stock into either one this week? Um, I I do to an extent. You know, I think it's an indicator of perhaps how I would say even, I think, but the races are at least closer than ever um, in, in the time that both shows have existed. I agree with you. I thought they were putting a lot of promotional effort behind AEW's uh, show uh, last Wednesday, being at, at the Sears Center. Um, so I can really only imagine this number to be a disappointment. Um, and I'm really more so looking at, I think, how much NXT is catching up. Uh, but there are further breakdowns, of course, than simply just uh you know these prime demos so why don't you get into some of your analysis well it was it it definitely i think i think the fact that like nxt and how they benefited off of survivor series i think that really offset whatever um 
whatever stock you want to put into with it being the night before Thanksgiving, that that might have taken a hit on on all programming. I think NXT was able to negate that because of the strong showing that they had over Survivor Series weekend and people, I think, for the first week wanting to see how NXT was going to follow up on something as opposed to AEW. Like last week to me felt like the first time I really wanted to tune into NXT to see how they followed things up more so even than AEW. Um some of the big drops for AEW uh with men 12 to 34, they were down 37%. Uh same amount they were down in men 18 to 49 and in all the demos uh it is AEW winning but all relatively close except for over 50 which NXT continues to have a really commanding lead and of of all the demos that Showbuzz Daily had uh the NXT over 50 audience that was the only demo that did not drop uh double digit figures because uh they stayed even from the week prior so that over 50 audience they sit down on Wednesday nights and they turn on the USA network in droves and they are loyal as hell to this NXT show. Well, yeah, they're not going to malls. They're not really no. going anywhere. They're no. sticking around. Family wants TV. to come over. They're like, you guys go. I'm, I'm upstairs. I'm watching my NXT. Yes. So yes. that's what they were doing. Um, I, I think it was a bad week for AEW. Even, even throwing out Thanksgiving, I thought this was lower than I thought it would be. Um, Given what they had built up for this show, this was hardly them putting together some random show that you could see them just uh, losing to NXT. They they put forward, I thought, a, a strong show on paper. So I, I think next week, if if AEW is not back up to, I, I would say, the 750 to 800 range, uh, maybe it's going to get some more kind of analysis of why that is. Um, but yeah, yeah. I... I Take this to be a more positive week for NXT, certainly. The fact that they were able to offset that. And we're seeing, like, a very close race here among these these demos. Like, there's not a wide margin of victory for AEW in any of these categories, including the main one, 18-49. Uh, to 49, AEW outdid them 0.26 to 0.24. So that's how close we're looking at it. And it really remains to be seen how many people who might have been tuning into NXT this particular week are sticking around especially without the holiday. Uh, once I would say maybe the smoke from that clears, how many people are sticking with NXT right now, uh, whereas they might have been not watching at all or maybe watching AEW. Yeah, and um, going to uh, the recent Observer that's had uh, a lot of information about the DVR viewership, Do you, I, I would expect like a lot more DVR viewership if, if you're taking into account the holiday and people mm -hmm. maybe not making this their Wednesday night priority like they do most weeks and which show benefits more from that. For sure. Yeah. I mean, the, the sense I get is that at least from listening to our audience is that a lot of people are watching AEW first and then watching NXT second, but bottom line, people are kind of watching both shows. However, I sense that, you know, with enough momentum going one way or the other, that could change and you can start to see perhaps dynamite being the DVR show at some point in the future. But um, still a whole, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised that like several months, several weeks in now into this whole thing that there's still so much to be taken from, from these numbers every single week. So, um, I guess I look forward to a new set of them this week. Yeah. And it's, uh, it, it's a, it's a really interesting dynamic because you still look at it and, you know, it's that 18 to 49 demo that's going to be so valued. And from that data, you take like the AEW number, like, is that? 
is that the number you view uh, stronger? Because to the TV industry, that's the number that's the most valuable here. Although you can look at you know some of these decreases, it's it's concerning week to week that they were down to such a big degree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, that first number that AEW did was one point one four. Actually, what was it before that? It was uh the first one was uh one million four hundred nine thousand viewers. Right. So you know, yes, this was a holiday, but I mean, even when it settles, it's where that, we that's kind of like the first the first SmackDown number on Fox two. It's almost like you have to go from week two, and I think that gives you a better sense of where things are because and I what think was week two. Week two is a million eighteen, so that would be you know kind of your retention from that that first week. So. No, it's it's uh, you know you're not painting a week where you know this was by far their lowest. Like this wasn't right. even close to anything they've done prior. Yeah, but again, you know, again, remember what their industry predictions were at five hundred thousand. So I think you could still look at this as a somewhat of a positive. But then again, like you know, I think the fans want a clear winner and a loser in this particular race, and no, not nobody can be singularly happy. Somebody has to suffer terribly and the other person has to celebrate so um i guess that's what what these numbers are for mainly i am i am much more comfortable in an aew bounce back this week whereas nxt like they might fluctuate a little but i don't see them jumping significantly above 810 for instance where they are now whereas aew i could see very much being up two hundred thousand or so viewers this week that wouldn't shock me and is that would you say that because of, I guess, habit, or is there a particular match or a segment that you think would lead to something like that? Well, I could, I, I don't point to any one thing on this show. I'm more looking at was this a one week aberration? And what, I mean, we'll see on Thursday if if they're in this neighborhood this week. I think it's that it's that much more concerning because you don't have many more excuses uh, this week in terms of it maybe just being a bad week. You have a younger audience that perhaps it was not as big a priority to be watching wrestling on this particular night with a holiday. And we'll see on Thursday if there's the bounce back. I would expect it to be, but yeah. it's it'll be interesting to look at on Thursday, which we will be able to do this Thursday on the Hangout because no holidays. We're back to getting ratings on Thursday afternoon. Uh, anything else, Way? I wanted to ask you about SmackDown. Oh, yeah, sure. Did did, uh, did numbers come out yet for SmackDown? I don't think the final number is out yet. Everything's Sorry. delayed because of uh, the holidays. I will uh, double check here, but I do not think they are out. No, not yet. We we had the overnight number. Um, right. So that that was out. Um, so that that was uh, – we'll, we'll go over that this week when okay. the final number is out. Um, we had a report – Earlier tonight, uh, Ryan Satin had this, and Dave Meltzer also reporting that Mora Ronaldo is expected to be back on NXT this Wednesday night. So uh, that would be a positive sign that you know he's he feels up to traveling and coming to do the show on Wednesday. And I would think that if he comes back, um, that they're hoping that they just move on from this story and it's not uh, focused upon. It kind of got quiet over the weekend regarding. Any, any updates, but it's a positive sign for Morrow if he's willing to come back this Wednesday. I'm happy to hear that for his sake. At the same time, I, I, you know, I, I can't help but be curious about what perhaps internal discussions might have taken place between WWE and Morrow to assure him that, hey, like, you know, really what happened here and, and how, how can this be avoided in the future? Um, 
Yeah, yeah. I because uh you would I don't know, this is you would assume maybe this conversation was probably or a similar conversation like this might have been had when Moro came back initially after leaving SmackDown and eventually taking the role at NXT. Um and, and also how would this affect his future appearances uh in the co branded show? If if it was me and I was with with Moro's team, I would be there's there's no more of these main roster appearances because this was um, whether you want to cite it as being um, uh, whether that that tweet would have happened regardless if this had just been a singular takeover show and Corey Graves had been watching the show and decided to tweet that it's possible. Um, I just don't think that we have seen now from that environment. This isn't the first time it's happened. It's the second and I think that we have seen second publicized event. Yeah, true. Like who knows what, what's gone on. We've, we've never heard of any issues that have gone on in NXT where I think it's a much more, uh, a, a much safer environment for, for Moro. I, I don't think you're going to see that thing here. I don't think you're going to see anybody, um, doing anything like that with Moro on Twitter again, but again, <laughs> Three weeks ago, I wouldn't have thought that anyone would be doing that now, uh, given Moro and what everybody knows about things. But, um, you know, it's it's tough. I, I know he loves doing this job. I know he loves, like, calling the matches, and he's very good at it. Um, but it's also, you know, you, you have to wonder as well. And this is not me trying to uh, hint around at anything. This is just me, pure, pure speculation, that, you know, you take someone and you – with his issues and you take away that routine and uh, of that work, does that open yourself to potentially other issues? You like to be in that routine. You know, you're good at your job and maybe that is the best thing for him that he knows he can center all of his attention towards his work and that can help him. Like the guy is a workaholic that I can say factually. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Part of me wonders if like, you know, there's there's some benefit to come out of all this because I've seen a lot of people maybe pay a bit more attention to things like the Moro Ronaldo's documentary, the Bipolar Rock and Roller, which I was informed was recently put out on YouTube. Um, yes. So, I mean, I, I do wonder if out of all this, in the end, you're, you'll be racing or, or you'll, have, you'll have raised a bit more awareness about exactly what he might be going through. And I wonder if like WWE sees any opportunity in, in doing that. You know, having Moro take more of a role, um, even on like a WWE Network special or something like that, where they can educate their own audiences with their own production about, you know, um, like issues that Moro goes through. I I, th I think it's something that, um, you know, they have that platform and I, I think Moro would be more than willing to do stuff like that. And, you know, that to me is. Yeah, it's. It, is this company ready to kind of? Uh, I, I would say, in, but I would say into mental health awareness. Given that you know, just look at the handling of this and look at you know the the stories of you know just what what's come out from all of this. Um, but but I would say them simply hiring Moro, and I think you know from what we can tell, being that committed. At least I'm talking about you know the people uh, Paul Levesque and the people at NXT. Be this committed to bring Moral back several times after you know very public blow up, blow ups like this suggests to me that they they like him enough and I think they you know respect his story enough to you know want to 
work with them and and I would assume want to, you know, use it to perhaps raise awareness, which is what I think ultimately he wants to do. Do you think there'll be I don't believe there will be, but I'm curious your thought. Do you think there's any reference to this at all on Wednesday of where he was? I don't. I don't think so. Um, and nor do I feel like, you know, NXT, like the broadcast itself would be the place to have this type of frank discussion within like full sale. Uh, but does it mean it can't take place in the form of an interview on dot com or like or my I mean, I would love to see some type of day of or 24 or something that that, you know, he he's a principal character in. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's something that, you know, I, I just go to. Like, what was the WWE's reaction when this happened? Uh, we're going to lie on our pay-per-view about where he is. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's, that's the, the, the immediate reaction. I suppose I, like, I, I really do sense like a separation between, I think, what you would, might see on the main roster and also productions that simply take place outside of it. And often a lot of these things are, you know, between Full Sail and what you see on the network. It, it almost feels like they are made by very different people. And I would assume that, you know, they, they actually are. Um, moving on here. Um, I wanted to ask you, but this was a uh, really interesting. Tommaso Ciampa did this interview uh, on Lillian Garcia's uh, podcast, chasing the glory. And uh, Andrew Thompson uh, transcribed a bunch of the answers here. And it it was brought up about, Champa going to the main roster and he pretty much has said he has absolutely no interest in in going there he's uh i'm just pulling it up here and this is what he said in reference to that i fought the call up like fought it hard i remember Shawn michaels because he was our coach at the pc for quite some time he still helps us out uh and he's mentioning when gargano alistair black and ricochet and them they were brought up to the main roster earlier this year and just the fact that he he doesn't want to go up there and he goes on. Uh, it's a lengthy answer here that you can read up on the site, but his justification or his rationale behind this is I've I'm on the road a lot less. I've got a young baby at home with my wife. Why would I want to go up onto the main roster where I'm doing 200 plus days on the road on top of that doing multiple matches per week as opposed to this schedule where I'm coming off of neck surgery, why do I want to do more house show matches? Like for him, I think he's looking at this as probably a lot of talent are that I've got X amount of, you know, matches in me. Why do I want to be throwing them away doing the WWE road schedule when I can be an NXT? I'm a lot happier here. And I'm on the road a whole lot less. And he has said that if they were to move me to Raw or SmackDown, I would retire to become a coach or a producer rather than go up to Raw or SmackDown. That's how adamant he is about staying in NXT at the moment. I can absolutely understand it. You know, um, he's he's been very honest about his very publicized injuries. I think what I, I found most interesting about the quotes and the interview was how he mentioned that Sean had a comment about how he had never seen Somebody, you know, like a group of guys and not just Chompa, but a group of guys currently who are willing to turn down money, um, I guess, because for creative freedom. And again, it's to me more so just a confirmation that if you're working in NXT, this might not go for everybody. But it seems to be the indication with Chompa. You're working a lighter schedule. uh, You're getting paid less. But because you're working a lighter schedule, you are getting paid less. 
And so it goes back to maybe some of the, these rumors and discussions about like NXT contracts not necessarily getting bumped up. I, I don't know exactly how it all breaks down, of course, but is there justification for these NXT contracts not being up to the level of Raw or SmackDown contracts because they're working less dates? Yeah, and it's, you know, I, I'm sure that there's going to be different different people that are in different categories when, when it when it comes to that as well. But if you're looking at, you know, if you're making a comfortable living in NXT, which I have no doubt Tommaso Ciampa is at this level uh, that he's at, and you're looking at, okay, I could be making X amount more, but what am I giving up, like, uh, for that extra amount if I was on Raw? And yeah. I think he looks at it completely logically, and I think that there's a, a generation that are very much of the Shawn Michaels mindset that, like, how how are you saying no to more money? And I think there's a prevalent amount of current generation that are looking at quality of life and quality of workplace as well in terms of just being happy with your your spot, happy with your environment rather than making more money and you're miserable. And we've seen many, many of those people that have been public about their displeasure and just want to get out. And I think there's a lot of guys that they don't want to reach that part. They'd rather make less and be happy. As a model, I think, you know, it's incredibly smart for WWE to retain this because much of what, you know, what what we're discussing here is one of the main drawing points of AEW and to have within their own system, you know, something that would replicate the structure and the touring schedule of AEW. I I could see a lot of guys, or at least I could see them using that as sort of like a a way to, to deter people from joining that other place. The other thing I think is, you know, the fact that AEW, NXT now seemingly has has been sort of given been given the go ahead of being portrayed as sort of like an equal brand. I I sense that could potentially be part of the reason why you're hearing, you know, um, somebody like Ciampa say talk a, a little bit more disparagingly about Raw and SmackDown while trumpeting NXT, uh, just simply, you know, because. It should be seen as equal. I mean, it was portrayed as such. In fact, it was portrayed as superior on their own TV show. Oh, believe me, after Corey Graves, uh, any talent now can say anything about any brand, and they're just trying to start a little controversy. Sure, yeah. I mean, that's that's the go-to. Where are the NXT UK guys that are talking shit about all the other places? Um, they're doing it. Uh, they're doing it on the. Uh, the British Wrestling Experience uh, Underground. It's a different time zone, so I guess we don't we don't get those yes. tweets. Uh, but it's a really interesting interview with uh, Tommaso Ciampa, and I would imagine that there's. Uh, it, I just find it interesting that you, you know there, there's no one correct schedule to have mm-hmm. because we were just talking about AEW last week and certain guys that they they need more. They need to be out there working more shows and you're never going to be able to have this one uniform schedule as a promotion. That's going to benefit everybody because for a Tommaso Ciampa, he's looking at uh quality of matches, not quantity. And for, and j- just to throw out a name like private party, they need to be wrestling more and more now. So it's it's always going to be contingent on the talent you're talking about. So do you think in the future we, we could see NXT being a destination for perhaps older talent that, you know, want to extend whatever run that they might have that would otherwise be perhaps used a lot quicker um, had, you know, if they're working a full schedule on Raw or SmackDown? I don't think NXT will be that that outlet. I feel that when they get to that 
level where there's someone that wants to – and we see that with many people, Rey Mysterio, for instance, that they're just going to – they're much more open now, WWE, in terms of giving guys more limited schedules once they get to that that level, that they're not working all the house shows. And there, there's, there's a value for house shows, but I think at a certain point, uh, does it make all the sense in the world that you have your whole main event mix that are on the road – to, to that level like there's just at a certain point it's it doesn't make a whole lot of sense and that was something John Moxley brought up that it just made no sense at this point why he was doing so many matches a year and that was the grind that was just burning everyone out mm-hmm. uh, just a few other notes here uh, Hikaru Shida and Chris Statlander has been added to Dynamite on Wednesday night so they've got a pretty full lineup for Wednesday's card and the next Broken Skull Sessions, Steve Austin's interview series, is going to air after TLC with Bill Goldberg as the guest. Okay, yeah. I mean, that could be interesting. You know, I, again, I think Austin's a tremendous interviewer. I know these two are friends, and so I'm sure, you know, he'll try to talk about maybe some of the more controversial aspects of his career as well as, you know, some of the great aspects of his career. I, I, I'm I'm hoping for a lot of WCW talk, perhaps a lot of talk about his first run with the WWE and of course, all the way up until um, his recent runs. Uh, maybe, I guess he's he's got the crown jewel main event, or is it the greatest Royal Rumble? Who's that, Goldberg? Well, I'm saying like Austin got both participants of of the. First, oh, that's right. That's Royal right. Uh, that was the uh, that was the Super Showdown. Oh, yes. okay. Well, he yeah, can have both right. both perspectives. Well, yeah. look at that. A lot yes. of people. Um, you know, after we were having that discussion about who who we would want to see Austin, a lot of people suggested CM Punk. Do you think that's a possibility at all? Sure. Yeah, I, I definitely see that as a possibility. He yeah. was not he was not advertised for backstage tomorrow night. So nope. looks yeah. like uh, Rollins is going to be on the show, but uh, no Punk. So yeah, he's. It'll be interesting to see how many of these shows he ends up doing. Yeah, we'll see. All right, let us get into Raw itself from Nashville, Tennessee on Monday night, the Bridgestone Arena, and Charlie is waiting in the parking lot as a van arrives, and AOP are inside. They get out, and they are asked what they're doing, and they answer in Albanian and Punjabi, and they do not explain why they attacked Kevin Owens last week when Charlie asks them to translate what they said they say that she looks lovely tonight. I appreciate that this was the first on-screen, I think, um, I don't know, um, education or, or confirmation from um, an English speaker that, in fact, AOP are speaking two very different languages. Each one of them spe- says something different, even though I think the impression is that they are they understand each other. Um, I don't know if they do or not, but I, I, I appreciate the clarification here, I think, for people who might not have realized. Why were why couldn't we um, get our crack staff to subtitle this right afterwards? Um, the idea is is that it's a live show, I suppose. I mean, although you do have closed captioning that does all that stuff really fast, but maybe they just don't have the system. But um, I will say, you know, just to preface the rest of the show, I think it was, <laughs> it's really, uh, it got really annoying by the time the show ended about how many heels do the foreign language thing 
and yeah, well, they all speak one. They're they're all unified by their inability to speak English way. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, I, I obviously, you know, this has been a thing with wrestling for a long time. But again, like on a show in 2019, I, I, I really becomes apparent by the end of this show how much they're relying on that to get heat by speaking something that, you know, the crowd doesn't a, a language that the crowd hasn't heard before. Have you watched the Royal Rumble match yet from 2000? Not yet. No. Remember, remember your critique of this, and then I want you to share with us on Tuesday night what your thoughts are on uh, how one foreign group is portrayed in that Royal Rumble match. Are we talking Kai and Ty? We might be. All right. Jerry Lawler is on commentary with Vic Joseph and Samoa Joe. So what does this mean for uh, our friend Dio? Dio either took the most debilitating F5 in history, or I don't know if we're ever going to see Dio Madden again in this chair. I will tell you this, that there was a part of me that, uh, this will sound bad, but if they came to Joe and said, Joe, that thumb, it's just never going to be the same again. I think it's time. I'd be so happy if this guy was the third man on Raw. He's He was tremendous on this show. I would be too. I mean, I, I, I'm, you know, I think Dio showed some promise, but the man needs a whole lot more time to th- develop. It before. was just an unfair position. I have oh, nothing yeah. against Dio Madden, but you're throwing him onto Raw with, you know, Vic Joseph, who himself, I mean, he's taking a big jump from being on 205 Live to Raw. Uh, it's I, just, I, I almost like, let like, this guy get seasoned. Let him get familiar. And I almost feel like there's a little bit less pressure on Joseph because he really, you know, just has to, like, at the very least, just fall back on, I think, what he's been trained to do. Dio, like, you know, was kind of tasked to have to find a personality and to, you know, come up with uh, some some sort of, like, analysis that he's really not been known to do. Whereas I think Joe already comes with a whole lot of personality, adds a bit of familiarity to the team and the and the product itself and and of course also brings his veteran instincts with him so i i really like the move um we know it's probably a temporary given that joe will will heal from this injury inevitably but for the time being i'm certainly going to enjoy this team for one week would you love to hear vic joseph joined by jerry lawler and pat mcafee um do you imagine Lawler and Pat McAfee together? I, I think it'd be incredibly entertaining. You know, McAfee actually impressed me on that NXT broadcast of, of SmackDown. I feel like he could do a decent job. He did a he did a great job. That whole rallying, the whole crowd at TakeOver last weekend. Uh, oh, oh yes, I think, yes. I think Pat McAfee, yeah. that was the first time. Like I've always kind of enjoyed Pat McAfee, and I know he hasn't been everyone's favorite, but I seem to see a similar tide turning on Pat McAfee, similar to Don West in 2002, where everyone hated that guy when he started. And after a while, he just his enthusiasm was so contagious that you just started to enjoy him. And I think Pat McAfee, if he, if he keeps at it, I think he's going to have a similar kind of appeal to people not not gonna be uh beloved by everybody but i think that he's kind of represents that same thing he reminds me of don west he could i also don't really see him because he's got so many other things going on i wonder if he's even eligible to do a full-time commentary gig no i don't think he could at this point i would just be talking about if you know joe is not available and they're just looking for a rotating third person until they settle on somebody. If Dio Madden is not coming back, which right. 
Uh, we'll see if he is put back there. I think it's even tougher now that he's got to come back and step in for Samoa Joe. Like mm-hmm. you've now set this template and a very high, a very high bar has been set for Joe in that chair now. Yeah. Seth comes out. He repeats that Ross sucked at Survivor Series, but they're a family and it's his responsibility to motivate that family. But he might have gone overboard last week. He said he's here to apologize to everyone, including Kevin Owens, and he asks him to come out. So Owens comes out, and he's called on AOP attacking him last week, and Rollins denies having any knowledge about AOP attacking Owens. Owens says he's a liar, and he came out saying that there's some smell, and he said that smell is bullshit. Yeah, dropped an ass bomb. Edgy. AOP come out. They speak in their language, both of them, because they're heels. Languages. Languages. And then challenge the two to a tag match, but Owens isn't falling for this. He knows that's going to be a three-on-one. So Rollins just gives up on apologizing, leaves, walks past the AOP who just let him go to the back, and then Owens challenges AOP. They laugh off the challenge, and they leave to the back, prompting Owens to lay out an open challenge. So no one wanted to deal with Kevin Owens here. No, no, they did not. Yeah, I. Lash, yeah. Well, I I like the the, the way that they they dragged this Rollins turn out. I mean, obviously, I think by this point everybody recognizes that he is a heel, but I think they're going to play with that tension a little bit longer. And I like the way that they did that here for the first time in months. To me, I think Seth Rollins has found himself an interesting character to portray. You know, this delusional locker room leader, I think, is a perfect role for him. I, I, I think the best part of it is that the successes of his on-screen appearances no longer depend on the crowd's approval. You know, he doesn't have to get another cheer again in his lifetime if he keeps playing this character. And I think, it, it you know, it, the character is more successful as, as a result of it. So he's no longer cut, cutting these, like, very... Oh, cringeworthy promos you're not hearing burn it down anymore although i think if he did say burn it down by this point it would get even bigger booze but at least we're not hearing anything that that groan groaning um i also really like the way the way they treated owens here you know he's he's somebody who's presented as someone who doesn't fall for your cliched wrestling heel tricks instead he's he says he recognizes the situation here and he invites the three-on-one disadvantage because he's he's a fighting baby face so I, I, I really enjoyed it. He's quietly become, you know, whether you want to look at Orton or Owens, like those are your top baby faces now on Raw uh, yep. along with, with Ray. I mean, you can put them in any order you want, but Owens is kind of, he's positioned now with Rollins, who is your top heel. Mm-hmm. So we come back from break. Owens is still waiting. Lana comes out and she cuts this promo. That it's all about her. Owens is constantly interrupting her, saying that no one cares. They start yelling over one another. Very un-WWE-like with their promos. And she says... Would you Rusev- say so? Because I feel like they've, they've kind of done this. Like, I know what you mean. This is sort of like a like a moment within a promo where it feels like somewhat improvised, where, where you get the sense that they're just told to go out there and to actually just, like, you know, off the cuff create some type of argument. And I feel like they've done this with, like, some of the... The, the the women's programs over the past year, I hate it. I, I don't think it ever works. I think it only serves to make everybody look like, you know, annoying. Like who can who can yell the loudest of it essentially is is what it turns into. And I don't think it worked out for any either of them here. 
Lana said that Rusev won't be here tonight. That drew a lot of booze. Uh, they're in Nashville, which is where Rusev and Lana live as well, but they didn't bring that up. Um, so she has gotten another restraining order, and if Rusev shows up tonight, he will go to jail for a long time. Owen says that Lana might be beautiful on the outside, but in the inside, she's repulsive. So Lana called him a basic, a basic candy eater, a basic pizza eater, basic, basic, basic. And Lana said that Lashley is coming to finish him. So Lashley comes out flanked by two officers who are on the lookout for Rusev. Yeah. I think like basic. Yeah. I mean, that's quite the insult these days. I mean, next to boomer, I would say so better on candy and pizza. Um, I guess those are, those are pretty basic things. Depends, I guess on the, uh, depends what sophistication of your pizza. Yeah. Yeah. You can get like high class medit, maybe like, you know, Neapolitan pizza. It's not that basic. I would say. Is stuffed crust advanced or is that basic? Um, you know, I'm not really the judge. Uh, can you even get stuffed crust anymore? I hope not. I like that stuff, actually. Mm, no, no? I, I wasn't a fan. Maybe I'm But basic. I'm basic, so. Maybe I'm basic. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> I, I thought, you know, on paper, a promo battle between Owens and Lana could have been interest, interesting. But again, just in execution, it just sounded like two people seeing who could yell the loudest. So not really a fan. Uh, I don't know what the deal was with Lashley's arm, but it was all wrapped up and it was clear there was some bandage underneath, like on like his bicep area. So I don't know what was, what he was dealing with with his right arm, but didn't look fun. So (laughs) I just remember the, uh, the injury he had from having sex. Remember? (laughs) It was like a month, month ago. Right. Right. Well, how could he get, um, an arm injury? Who knows? I mean, yeah, who knows? There's, there was no explanation here. Use your imagination. Your, your mind to wander. So Owens did the suck it and a cannonball, then went for a moonsault off the second turnbuckle that missed. Lashley then spun him off his shoulders. Full Nelson gets blocked, hits a pop-up powerbomb. Both men are down when AOP runs in, and they just start attacking Owens after 849, and we get the disqualification. No match here. I I, I hesitate to even call it a match. You know, it's... It just felt like an exhibition of moves before the angle. Did you hear how they handled the last man standing match? The epic last man standing match at Starcade. Uh, no mention of Starcade, by the way. You know, yeah, like Rusev, what a, Rusev and Lash, Lashley had a match and no mention. They of did not all. have a match. Oh, they didn't? What happened? They did not. They just came out, proclaimed themselves the winners. And then it led to <laughs> uh, Rusev running out. Owens running out and it turned into Lashley versus Owens. So if oh, you had God. tuned in to see this, which I didn't, by the way, and I'm not going to feel guilty at all when I skip a show like this, which is completely worthless to tune into. The only reason why I might tune in was would be to see if it tops my worst of list. I don't think it's even like at that level. It's just completely inconsequential. All right. Done. Well, but if you if you want to let us know how no, Starcade went, no, I'm good. Please. So Owens gets sent to the floor. The crowd's chanting Rusev Day, and Owens just gets dragged to the back by AOP, likely being dragged to his death somewhere. 
So there was no follow-up on this, eh? He was just dragged to God knows where, the next city that they were heading to. Just put him in the trunk? Like, nothing. Like, I thought maybe we're going to What are they going to do for a whole week? Like, are they going to, like, get a bigger hotel room? Because they need to fit a third guy? Yeah, I don't know. Um, maybe we'll get some, some updates during the week. AOP having to carry Kevin Owens around. Interesting. In their uh, trunk. That's so, a special La- I want to see. Lashley and Lana are in the ring with Charlie. Lashley said he had no idea AOP was going to come here. All he's worried about is that Lana is okay. And says that she had to hire detectives. Are yeah. detectives the ones you hire for protection? Um, Maybe we're thinking about detective in more of like a Sherlock Holmes sense. But I, I feel like detective... Just if I if voice. I mysteriously got hurt, then I would be calling a detective to find out who hurt me. But for a preventive measure, I don't know if I'd be calling the detectives. Well, you know, that's why these detectives were weren't very effective at stopping physical violence. They just stood there. Rusev emerges from the crowd, and this place goes wild for Rusev. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jerry Lawler suggests <laughs> they shoot him. <laughs> Which I guarantee would have upped the quarter hour if they shot Rusev in Nashville. Lashley is yelling at the officers, and one of them says, I'm a WWE fan, and this is Tennessee. We do things our way. As they proceed to arrest Bobby Lashley, the crowd cheers. Out of context, this looked terrible. Oh, of course, yeah. The black man getting arrested for no reason? For no reason, because in Tennessee, we do things (laughs) our way. It's like, man, like there's a level of tone deafness okay. here. Even in context, what what was the insinuation here? Why did they arrest Lashley? There was no reason other than you're that- left to believe that they are fans and they know that Lashley is fucking around on this guy's wife and he deserves to go to jail what? for fornicating. <laughs> is that illegal in Tennessee? I mean, I can I I think maybe perhaps the insinuation was that Lashley bumped into one of the officers, and that might be the reason. But even then, that's that's really ridiculous. And why did they not actually stop Rusev? Rusev, there was no explanation other than that these officers should absolutely be reprimanded for <laughs> ignoring a, a valid restraining order and letting this guy run wild, and then leave without any problems, and then they arrest Lashley. (laughs) These cops were terrible. terrible. (laughs) Like, awful. Well, they're detectives. Do they not know they're on TV? (laughs) Well, he's a WWE fan, you would figure. (laughs) So they're taken away uh, as Lana is screaming. Um, First, Lana gets into their face saying they should arrest Rusev, and she slaps the officer, and she gets arrested too. I did think Lana played this up really well. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, we we kind of like make fun of the logic behind it all because there was simply none. But I, the reaction live was it's not one of the larger reactions of the night, especially yeah. for Rusev. Mm-hmm. And they love watching people get arrested unjustifiably. So they're put into a cop car, taken away as Samoa Joe considers starting some crowdfunding for their bail money. I really like the, that the way the show carried these segments from one to another. 
each one of them ended with something relatively relatively substantial here. I, I thought it was a show that overall moved along really well with these types of segments. And so it felt almost like an Attitude Era show, but mainly in a good way. Our truth and the Street Profits just watched the arrest occurring and Lana being taken off. Drew McIntyre versus Akira Tozawa. Drew just dumps him onto the mat, then gets onto his knees to mock his height. And Tozawa comes back with a seated drop kick and a suicide dive. Drew just kills him with the inverted Alabama slam on the floor. Lawler makes fun of Tozawa, saying the officers should come back and arrest him for impersonating an opponent. Then Drew launched this guy from one side of the ring to the other with this overhead suplex. Tozawa came back, inverted Rana gets stopped, but then he turns into a victory roll, and Drew comes off the ropes, and Claymore kicks this dude into Knoxville for the win in four minutes and 11 seconds. So, Akira Tozawa, what a joke. Congratulations for having that kick-ass match with Leo Rush. You're on, you're on goofy job duty on Monday. Well, he's Lawler got... can make fun of you, and you're losing. I mean... With a guy like Tozawa, I think it, it's it's almost like he's got two identities. Maybe he's a twin, and they just both happen to be named the same thing. One wrestles oh. on Mondays, one wrestles on Wednesdays, and one is really good. The other's not there's, so much. There's two... T- there's Akira Tozawa's. Yes. You well, if I, if I was Akira Tozawa, I'd be telling them, hey, my neck doesn't feel great either. I, too, want to be in NXT <laughs> because I'm going to quit to become a coach or a trainer if you don't put me on NXT every week because wow. I don't need to be here. Number one, I don't know if Tazala has that much say. Secondly, who knows? Maybe he enjoys this because I thought this actually turned into a nice little match. You know, they were able to set up from the get-go just simply with the visual of these two looking at each other. Uh, this David-Goliath match that I thought worked really well. Drew was a great monster heel. Tazala is a really good underdog. Um, you know, I, I, I thought there were some really impressive replays in this match of Drew just, like, throwing Tozawa very high into the air. There are also some really big chops from Drew as well, and they're seemingly building this spot as a new signature signature spot of Drew. And I think rightfully so, because, so, again, I felt like the man out-chopped Walter at Survivor Series, so I'm I'm kind of glad that he's adopted them. No, it was... Listen, for this match, it was great for Drew. He looked phenomenal, and Tozawa was there to make him look great. But, but you know... There's no future in this for a Tozawa. You're just the next Cedric Alexander in this role. I mean, would you rather they give this spot to somebody else if you're Tozawa versus uh, not having nothing at all and not being used on TV? I mean, Bojo Raleigh could, could, is looking to get on TV. Eric Young, I'm sure, would like more regular appearances. I would say after that match last week on NXT, like that, that was the match of the show last week. All these guys can go, John. Like I'm sure even like under the perfect circumstance in NXT, even somebody like Mojo Raleigh might be able to have an amazing match. But again, is that better than not appearing on TV at all? I, I don't think there's any difference. I I would take it off to be honest. Yeah. I would rather not, not even be used if this is my role. But that's right. But that's again, wait, this is the way this is the peak. Of, of this with Drew McIntyre. He's going to yeah. be running around with the this, 24-7 guys in six weeks. Not necessarily. I don't think so. Uh, th- this is one step away from that. Uh, potentially. I think they see a bit more talent within him. Um, but it, again, th- your answer might be very different from, from the other guys. Like, I'm just saying that there's there might be another perspective out there. Drew gets on the microphone. He says, people complain on social media. This locker room, they like to be cryptic on Twitter. Because they're cowards. He gets to the point 
and calls out Randy Orton. So we go to a commercial break as Drew just stood in the ring for four minutes. Uh, SmackDown promo. Baron Corbin vows to humiliate Roman Reigns. And what happened to Daniel Bryan? Lost hair. Somewhere. Yes. Maybe he'll be the one to be humiliated on on, uh, Friday. Drew's in the ring. And they replay the chop battle from the week prior with Drew and Orton. And Drew says, that is stupid, stupid, stupid. And I think everyone, I guess, registered this line. And then Orton came out. And they start going back and forward, forth. Drew is pissed off. He says that Randy walks around like he owns the place. You can't speak to me like a child. And the only thing that Orton is ferocious at now is posting on social media. I thought he was going to say something else. Man. Streaming or something to do with the... Uh... Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, I don't think they're going to be introducing that one. And... <laughs> He is bigger and stronger, and Drew is now the most ferocious man in WWE. He is the present. Orton's the past. The RKO out of nowhere is out. The Claymore out of nowhere is in. Man, these were like the the lyrics I wanted out of Who Shot You? This was some <laughs> deep cuts, way. Wow. Very nice. I look like it. Uh- I I don't know if you're being sarcastic or not. I, it, it reads it, it reads worse than Drew delivered it, but it's like, did you actually I, I like this? Because I, I can't tell. Listen, I I think Drew gave it his best, but there is no way you can possibly evoke a ounce of emotion when your premise is, dude, your social media game is weak. I don't give a shit. He didn't it, say that. He didn't say he he didn't say your social media game is weak. He said you're more you're more focused on being on social media than you are trying to win matches. Okay, yeah. What 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 a what a heated issue here. But oh, come on. I mean, I I actually liked it. I thought, you know, this has been Drew's most substantial TV promo in months. I felt like he was able to sound really comfortable in front of, I think, one of the best to, to you know, sound comfortable in a WWE setting in Randy Orton. I like that the way that they're portraying this with, with Drew basically calling himself Orton's replacement, calling the Claymore sort of like the new improved version of the RKO out of nowhere. And to me, it represents sort of a, you know, continued shift of Randy Orton as a babyface, where I think throughout his, his heel run, obviously, you've seen Randy Orton against guys like Mustafa Ali or Kofi Kingston. Or, uh, uh, you know, who, uh, whatever other cruiserweight he's been fighting. But now he gets to fight guys that are actually bigger than him. And I feel like this is a strong feud for Drew, finally, after months of just, you know, being in the background or assisting in, like, multi-man matches. And it could be a good babyface, underdog type of program for Orton. Loser deletes their Twitter account. I think every match in the WWE should have that stipulation. I think every... Um, I think that's when people just just start gambling their Twitter accounts. We'd have a lot fewer Twitter accounts. Yeah, yeah. Loser has to uh, give up their verification check. Whoa, wow. You can, build, you can build up to these. So what if you both have one? Then you get two checks? Double check, yeah. You can put your check mark and on. And then the more you lose, you, you, like, you lose your profile picture, so you just become an egg. You lose your Twitter handle. Yeah. 
cool. Orton comes back. He just says he's earned the right to do what he does. Drew hasn't earned anything. And if he thinks he has a problem, then they can solve it. But before they could solve their problem, the OC comes out. Styles just says, Randy Orton. And he just has to hand the mic over. He's so mad. Gallus takes over the promo. Says he ruined AJ's life after losing the United States title. Uh, What would have ruined AJ's career? is had he taken that offer to go back to TNA at the beginning of 2016 instead of going to WWE. So who can he, who who should he fight against? Who should he be, he be angry at? Well, you shouldn't be angry. He made the right choice in 2016. Right. But his life has now been ruined because he lost the U the U S title. Drew sees that this is their problem. So Drew, this has got to be Drew's thing now. He just gets up and leaves. This has been his thing for months, where like he's in the middle of a match or something, and some dude will walk in, like it'll be Orton with an RKO, or somebody else will come in and do a run-in, and then he'll just vanish. He'll just evaporate. I feel, I feel this is like the most... Later on in the show, there's a line Vic Joseph uses for Ricochet saying, he does things you can only create in 2K20. And I'm watching this Drew McIntyre character, and I'm like, this is the embodiment of 2K20 because it's this weird glitch where one of the featured people just disappear out of nowhere. This is the most lifelike feature from the current video game. No, they've they've treated him pretty poorly, I would say. I mean, they haven't jobbed him out, but at the same time, they've hardly made made him a focused aspect of the of the of the show for I I feel like a year almost now. At the very least, here I think we're seeing some improvement because he did at least say goodbye. <laughs> he's maybe he's just uh he's an introvert <laughs> he just ducks out of social situations he just did th- he too gets, many people around he, he gets just a lot of anxiety of yeah. yeah uh the oc attack ricochet runs out umberto runs out do you hear umberto's theme song i like it no we're, we're on different pages oh tonight. dude i i thought it was an improvement oh well i'll have to give it a longer listen it was very brief here and then Ray comes out, and they clear the ring, and that would set up a six-man for later on in the night, the OC against Ray, Umberto, and Ricochet, and kind of several different directions of where they're going with Randy Orton. It almost feels like this Drew McIntyre thing is on the back burner, but we're supposed to be aware of it. Um, while Randy goes on, he's feuding with AJ, it seems like. Yeah, perhaps an odd time to introduce this Drew McIntyre thing, given that he's got a clear program with AJ right now. But um, I wonder what they have in store to make it all work work out. Because, I mean, how far between TLC and Rumble, you know? Oh, that's like um, five weeks or so. That's plenty of time. So, yeah, I don't know. Kyle Busch and Michael Waltrip, our NASCAR representation, was in the crowd. More on them later. Orton is backstage with the baby faces. He appreciates them helping, but he didn't need their help. Tony Nese versus Alistair Black. Lawler said that a win for Tony Nese, it would be huge. It would be great, but it's not going to happen. Alistair uh, does his uh, his uh, big flip into the ring, just sits down. Buddy Murphy is watching backstage. Black just does all of his cool offense, sweeps Nice, who gets frustrated. Nice gets some advantage after he, like, struck him in the neck. And then uh, Black uh, takes a moonsault, gets his knees up, 
Vic says, I don't think he got all of it. Joe corrects him. He's like, no, no, no. He got the edge of his rib cage. He got plenty of it. So I like this. Vic just will call out glaring misses. And then Joe is there to actually uh, put over the move anyway. Great. Yeah. Again, I, I think I think the instincts of somebody who wrestles, uh, is, and certainly the the type of wrestling that I think Joe does is, is really crucial for a role like this. I think at times now the some of the play by play guys have gotten to a point now where they just reactively respond to anything that's not smooth as mm-hmm. they didn't quite hit it, and sometimes they're right. Other times, like this one, it's. You're thinking as someone that's that's watching and critiquing this versus this being a real fight and that there was still contact and you can still salvage what this was. Like a a botch does not have to be uh, screw up the story of the match. It, and it's not just announcers, but I think fans, you know, have kind of, you know, taken that sort of um, lens as well where – because we've seen so much wrestling, if something doesn't look like it, it looked like the hundred other other times we've seen it, we're quick to perhaps judge that it wasn't great. When no, it, in reality, like if it was an MMA fight, things would not look perfect at all. No, it's like when someone like slips on the ropes, it's all in how you handle it. Just you know, think on the fly and don't don't call attention that it was a mistake. Run with it. It's not a mistake unless you acknowledge it as such. Um, so he does this teep kick, flying knee, and the black magic, as Jerry Lawler calls it, for Alistair to win in 328. Vic Joseph could not get the words black mass out of his mouth more times than in this post-match. They had to have called it the black mass like three or four times afterwards after the black magic uh, gaff. Black magic, okay. Maybe I mean, it was a tribute to Norman Smiley, his former name. I could see, yeah. I mean, it's really easy to confuse, so... You figure, though, like, Lawler would have, like, a sheet in front of him. Maybe he does. Um, yeah, whatever. It's a small mix-up. I-, I thought Nice actually took a lot more of this match than I expected, you know? At times, I almost feel like a little bit too much when, you know, I think you're still trying to establish Aleister Black in a bit. But I think here the intent was to allow Black to show a little bit of fire, and he did. Overall, I thought this was really good for him. He's He's so corny, like, in those backstage videos, but in-ring... He's just so much cooler as just the strong, silent type. Oh, it's it, it's uh, it's night and day. But <laughs> midway through this match, are you not thinking that this guy spent a lot of time when getting a fight was not that difficult if Tony Nese was ready to go? Yeah, this is what I... <laughs> they didn't even do an angle to set this up. Like, we're yeah. doing this whole thing about someone finally knocked on his door, and the following week, he's got a match like every other guy does. Perhaps have you been doing for six months? Perhaps this is his first time actually leaving the room because he had to talk to Buddy Murphy, and as a result, somebody was like, hey, man, if you want a match, you just sign this form. And so now he knows how to properly do it. Oh, I had to <laughs> sign a contract. Contract. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I want to see Alistair Black now in like everyday situations. Like you missed your your your, your bill payment was due a week ago. <sighs> so buddy is back. I can call to get my interest back. <laughs> I need to shovel. <laughs> I don't know. Buddy is backstage. This is the question. Did you regret knocking on Alistair Black's door? 
He didn't give a straightforward answer. He says that what he wants to do is expose Black for taking himself way too seriously. What a reveal that Alistair's going to have at the end of this. He says that I'm cool, calm, and collected while Black is a hothead (laughs) who needs to calm down. (laughs) And if not... (laughs) I'm going to calm him down. Dude, this this was like the most bizarre defense or like motivation for someone. Oh, He's God. like, I want to calm him down. Dude, it, was, this, it wasn't I couldn't just that. Believe, I couldn't believe what I was typing here as I was listening to this. Like, this is our fucking motivation. And it, this guy, I think, is a baby face, but I don't quite know. Oh, I, my God. Black is, I think Black is the baby face. But uh, it, it's a, a little dork. ambiguous. It wasn't just like Murphy was all of a sudden like trying to introduce this calming down deal. He was, I think, trying to turn it into a catchphrase because he was starting to say like calm you down in the same sort of like cadence as fade to black. So I think his new thing is calm you down. Oh my like God. that's that's what I feel is his is the thing he was trying to get over here. Maybe he's going to try to do like the Seth Rollins, but he'll like put his hands down like calm you down joe thought this was just as stupid he comes back and he's like guys just concerned about his blood pressure <laughs> it was really weird and oh my I-, I thought God. somewhat appropriate that you went from calm you down to i think already a perfected version of that entire thing with andrade the guy who says tranquilo oh yeah what a some symbolism there andrade took on um a local guy. This was Eric from Nashville. Eric Young, yeah. Yep. Built from Nashville. Yep. Oh, that's where he lives. Yeah. So hometown hero here. Um, you know, th- this crowd, like, I-, I thought Eric Young worked a very smart match here. Like, no, everyone knew what this guy was going to be doing in this match. But, you know, he he did get to shine a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, as he as he knocks him down and hits an elbow drop... Zelina Vega yells, that should not happen. And she's just yelling at Andrade. Andrade yanks him off the turnbuckle. Young fights back, hit that wheelbarrow neckbreaker of his for a two count. Gets stopped on top, running knees, hammerlock DDT, and Andrade wins in 436. And, you know, Eric Young is a guy that he just, I think, unfortunately, he got to WWE and his age is just what it is. And they don't see anything in him. But I... I, I've always been a fan of Eric Young. And I I agree. And 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 again, like I I kind of obviously perhaps when he signed with the WWE, he imagined his career being a little bit different. But at the same time, um, there are plenty of people who had his career path that aren't even talked about and not even and don't even have full time jobs in professional wrestling again. So I you know it it depends. I think who you ask and and what their expectations are. I feel like Young is probably at least happy he's getting to wrestle a match on Raw in Nashville after, what, like a year and a half of not doing anything at all or just simply main event. I I really enjoyed the jobber matches overall on Raw. I think they're great showcases for the talent that you're trying to put over, but it also really freshens things up to see just faces that we don't usually see, and Eric Young being one of those people. He had a substantial match here. The most he's had in months, at least, on on Raw. So, And they're the perfect length, too. I don't think any of them are, are ever long enough to bore you um they're certainly long enough to like put a commercial break in but i think they're they're very effective 
I, I think that they serve a purpose and it's all yeah. in having that patience because we had pretty much like four matches in a row that they were presented like this um, with the No Way Jose match coming up. And, you know, the, when when you have these kinds of matches, there is going to be a, a tune-out factor. So it's having that patience that, well, they're, they're serving a purpose to build up our featured acts that we're trying to get over to the next level. So mm-hmm. I think it's all in not panicking when you see that you know, people are going to be tuning out when it's Tony Nese or an Akira Tozawa match. Because what's the alternative, John? Like you, yeah, listen. You, I'm not arguing it. I yeah. I think that you. No, I'm, I'm you just have saying to do I, these kinds of matches. I'm saying in theory, like w- we seen the alternative, and that's you know booking your like a main event in every segment, and we know that there's no long term value in doing that. So I, they they it, I think it also they have to do this. Yeah, and you're not burning through matches like they could have just done Andrade versus whoever he's feuding with right now, and we get four weeks of it in different variations, and this way it just. It establishes Andrade, and you just get to see him beat a guy decisively. It's no 50-50. It's no guy gets his heat back after. It's just solid. The segment is all about Andrade. Yes. R-Truth runs down. The geeks follow him. And then Kyle Busch and Michael Waltrip give them directions as they run through the crowd, and no one notices R-Truth is crouched in front of them. So then Michael Waltrip reveals a referee shirt as Kyle Bush rolls up R Truth, time stood still as Michael Waltrip got down to count, and R Truth lost the title to Kyle Bush. Fun celebrity cameo. I mean, I'm not a NASCAR fan. I have no idea who this dude is, but um, I'm sure if you are a NASCAR fan, this this might have um, got you talking. Um, Huge. I I just wish they would like come up with perhaps a a different finish than just the schoolboy. I get that it's probably really easy to do that, you know, a non-wrestler or celebrity can do it. But I, I just, I know I'm talking ridiculous when I was, I'm talking about believability with the 24-7 belt. But, like, use a weapon or something, please. Because, like, how am I supposed to believe that this NASCAR driver can just schoolboy, doing the slowest schoolboy of all time, while this referee, like, t- takes, like, 10 seconds to get to, down to the mat to count. Um, just something. Laser pointer in the eye, whatever. Like... Car conking, uh, I don't know, whatever NASCAR. And we had ju- we had just had when Lana and Lashley got taken off, they were in a parking lot. You could have had Bo- Kyle Bush and Michael Waltrip just like race in on their car, accidentally knock into our truth, and then they pin them. <laughs> I think the optics of that would be pretty bad too. That would be pr- probably pretty bad. Yeah. Go from the arrest to that. The Street Profits promote the Cyber Monday sale with No Way Jose and the conga line. Rollins is leaving. Charlie asks why he wouldn't help Kevin Owens, and Rollins is just frustrated. He says, he didn't want my help. I apologize, and people are now questioning my sincerity of my apology. No matter what I do, I'm still the bad guy. Everyone's a critic, but not everyone has the guts to be a leader. I fucking love this. I think Rollins, like, this to me felt like a Rollins promo from the heart because this is the character that Seth Rollins has built himself up to be on social media. I found this really believable. It's, again, you know, he's still kind of in a tweener role at the moment, even though it's very clear that he is becoming a heel. And I think, like, this was a perfect Shades of Grey type of promo that almost even makes you sympathize with what he's going through. But, again, I like, the best villains are the ones that 
you know, think of themselves as the hero. And I thought, I think this little segment perfectly, you know, characterized Rollins as that type of character. Recap of Mysterio winning the U S title and then no way, Jose, Eric Rowan, uh, as No Way Jose came out with the conga line, Jerry Lawler referred to the conga line as the who's who of who cares. <laughs> and members of the conga line try to look at the cage. Rowan snaps. We've seen this before. Rowan chases them off, running cross body on the floor. Tell your people not to touch my stuff. And he iron claw slams them twice and wins this match in 207. I think it's hilarious how every week, there's like one guy who just can't resist peeking under this blanket. Like, I just, I just can't see myself ever wanting to, you know, knowing that somebody had some private property that they wanted to keep hidden. I just can't see myself doing this, but I, I think it works out really well. I mean, it's a wrestling match and they need, they're essentially like creating sort of like a Festus character who, you know, Festus, instead of like going off when he hears a ring bell, Eric Rowan is set off to like next gear when he sees somebody try to look into his cage. And I think it's, you know, the crowd's starting to identify with it. Seth Rollins will be on backstage tomorrow. Rowan's backstage. They went to the wrong replay. Then they corrected it. And He's asked what's in the cage, but he won't answer Sarah Schreiber. So the mystery continues. What is in the cage? Yeah, I don't he's, know. He's going to have a pet eventually, maybe a rat or I think I think it it's I would assume that it's not alive, you know, cuz he's supposed to be fucked up and I think it would make the most sense by not making sense that it's probably like nothing. Oh. Okay. Yeah, could be that. Could be like a hand. Could be um. Oh, Luke Harper's contract. Oh yeah, then they really don't want you to look at it. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's like all the contracts. It'll be like uh, all the guys that want out. It's their contracts, and they're covered in ice. Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, sure. We we play this game every week. It's 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 always fun. Of guessing what's in the cage? Yeah. Charlie interviewed the Kabuki Warriors. Uh they yelled in Japanese and they laughed yeah. about Charlotte. I know. But they got new music. Finally, they have new music. So, at least we have that. Um I think with these two, and even with AOP, I understand why they resort to this. Is because they've tried getting them over without having to resort to this generic foreign heel thing. And it didn't work. So they're relying on what works. And that's very subtle racism. Um, So (laughs) it works. Great. Yeah, the, the offensive part would be one of the producers or higher up being shown producing them of how they want them to deliver these lines. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Kabuki Warriors versus Charlotte Flair, two-on-one handicap match. Uh, Charlotte Flair is tremendous. Yes. Yes, she is. I, th- I think that it's... It's been it forgotten because I think her, her her programs haven't been that great this year. 
but she's very yeah, good. she has not been maybe front and center to the extent that some of the other women have. But I mean, granted, there was you know maybe you have a bad night, but that Survivor Series main event that's a drastically different match if it's a four way with Charlotte, for instance, or she is one of the three in there. I think that it sometimes I don't think she quite gets the credit of you know putting together a match and being, you know, Becky's best opponent. And she's been a lot of women's best opponent. Yeah. So they're beating down flair at the beginning. Flair gets sent to the floor and, uh, we go through the commercial break. Uh, flair stops them, goes to the top and she goes for a moonsault on both of them. And this was unique. Both of them got their knees up. I've never seen that before. Quadruple knees. on four knees, quadruple knees, as they called. Yeah. She comes back. Applies the Boston Crab onto Kyrie Sane, and Asuka breaks that up. Then Asuka stops the figure eight. Uh, they say she was going for a triangle. It was, I mean, she was barely even getting her leg across the neck. Slams out to get free. Then Flair gets knocked down from a double superplex attempt that she was going for. Sane doesn't connect with the double foot stomp, but then Flair misses a double team maneuver, hits a double spear for a two count, and then Flair goes after Asuka's knees, spears her, but missed Asuka's blind tag to Sane, so she applies the figure eight onto Asuka. Sane comes off the top as Flair is bridged and hits the insane elbow and pins Charlotte in 1556. I thought this match was way better than it had any right to be. You know, we're talking about a relatively cold feud that has somewhat been uh, just kind of fucked up with just... Natalia getting a win over Asuka somehow playing into it all and then just it, it's just been weird and I, I would say Charlotte at this point is still a somewhat unproven baby face and we're also talking about like by this point the like it was like 10 15 10 30 when this match happened yeah, this is in the third so, hour this was not in an ideal spot I mean listen this match I think very well should have died but instead I thought it ended up being one of the best women's matches I've seen on Raw in a very long time in fact this was my favorite match on Raw tonight and I know that's not often saying much, but I actually thought this was actually a really good match. From the get-go, they they were able to position Charlotte as a very heavy underdog, and you had c- constant pressure from both sides with the K- Kabuki Warriors, who are almost like relentless with their frequent tags and their great pace, built to some fantastic near falls. It, it was even a match where a commercial break did not affect my enjoyment. In fact, like it just kind of made me want to see the result a little bit more. So I I think coming out of this, I look at the Kabuki Warriors as stronger heels, and Charlotte I think gave her best baby baby face performance in a very long time, at least on on TV. Uh, I enjoyed the match, and I give this a thumbs up for the simple reason that we surpassed the fifteen minute mark, and I didn't think there was a prayer we were getting, uh, especially a Charlotte Flair clean loss here. I thought this was tailor made that this was going to end. Somehow, with Becky coming to the rescue, we did not get that, but the natural follow-up to this is that Charlotte cannot beat the Kabuki Warriors on her own, and she's going to have to ask her rival to team with her, which would mean so much more if we hadn't seen them team up 5,000 times over the last two months. And because we, we, we saw the match, we saw Charlotte and Becky take on the Kabuki Warriors for seemingly no reason. I mean, again, that came after Charlotte tapped Asuka out, somehow earning Becky and Charlotte like that match. So I, I think they really fucked up the beginning of this, but I mean, this was a really good match and I think I'm giving it another chance. The the negative, and this is the negative on the show as a whole. We have one more raw before TLC. 
they have not announced anything on the Raw side. And if this ends up being a TLC match with Charlotte, Becky, and the Kabuki Warriors, like, there was no tease to lead you in that direction for to set up next week. Yeah, I'm not really... And, and, and really, like, up and down. Like, you can see different pairings being teased, mm-hmm. but unless they're going to announce shit on the website this week, you're waiting till Raw next week to pretty much put together the Raw portion of the card. Sorry, is next week the go-home? Yes. Wow. Yeah, it's not that much, so... I wonder. Yeah, they have a really quick turnaround. So, anyway, uh, I thought we were going to get some of ma- match announcements tonight, and we got zero. So, but but a good match. I agreed with you. I, I enjoyed it. And handicap matches are not easy to pull off, especially with that amount of time in the third hour with a commercial break. But uh, they did a very good job. Sarah Schreiber asks, Charlotte, did you regret challenging both of them? And Charlotte said, To indicate that she has great spirit. Viking Raiders versus Mark Sterling and Mitchell Lyons. Viking experience. They won in a minute 36. What happened to like the local team dress up gimmick that they were doing? Um, maybe they felt Nashville. What could they be most stereotypical? They did have to put them in uh, cowboy gear, right? That would be maybe that was just too much for the budget for wardrobe. Or what, what does Nashville hate the most? Um, people thinking they're just about cowboys, and that's how everyone dresses. Now, how do you embody that in a jobber team? Maybe it could be. Um, maybe it be, could be too really creepy looking guys that are just kind of off into the corner of the ring and they're the Nashville predators. Hmm. I'm looking at where they are next week. Greenville, (laughs) South Carolina. I I don't really associate anything with Greenville. That's a tough one. That's a tougher one. Mysterio ricochet and Umberto Carrillo. Oh, by the way, the the Raiders like all throughout their match was shouting. They were shouting. Are you watching? So um, I don't know who they're talking to. The vast majority were probably like, no, we're fast-forwarding through this on Tuesday afternoon. Maybe they're talking to Vince, Um, you know, who (laughs) I think uh, hopefully, you know, these guys are due for for an actual match at some point. But, um, yeah, it's their new thing. Are you watching? Mysterio uh, with Ricochet and Umberto Carrillo. Ricochet gets very serious and tells them, and it looks right into the camera. All I want to do is prove that superheroes are real, but that has to be shoved to the side. So that does, they does can... he know that there are two detectives there? He should work with them. <laughs> no, they're gone. Yeah, they are fans. They should come up to Ricochet and tell them, "Hey, we've done a lot of investigations <laughs> into this. There are no superheroes out there. I promise." And then Ricochet says to the OC into the camera, "We are going to shut you." up I thought that this would be the worst promo (laughs) Umberto was going to give him a run for his money because he said that ever since I've been here the OC have been trying to ruin me and then Ray says okay guys let me let me (laughs) take this one home okay guys he's saying I've been in your shoes let me handle this I've had 20 years to work on it he's like you guys have been killing it and says what AJ had been doing as U S champion was unacceptable. And we are going to shut you out and shut you down. 
Yeah. Um, you know, it's tough, dude, of course. Like, you're talking about guys who just simply don't have it when it comes to microphone skills. And I give, I think, Humberto Carbio maybe even a lot more slack because not only does he have, like, he's, it, it just, it feels like he just has a lot more to overcome than somebody like, like Ricochet, but these guys aren't going to be great promos overnight, right? So, I, I understand wanting to give them airtime to try to practice and get their personalities across, but of course they're not going to look as polished as somebody like Ray. Yeah, I just think it's... Um, yeah, I, I, I don't even so much... Like, sometimes you just look at the, the WWE nature of, you know, guys that are clearly, like, they've memorized their lines and they're just trying to get it across. I think it's just... It's it's really tough for these two. The I lines these, the lines don't help, of course. The lines don't help. The delivery is non-existent, but it's just um I, I don't know. It's it's poor. They love their wrestling and they're trying to do what they can to give them a spot on TV. And that often comes with having to say something. So that's what we have. All I want to do is prove superheroes are real. <laughs> that's it that is oh, all God. the man wants I understand it's like the character is, is trying to say he wants to be a superhero to prove that I just have real. a feeling that if you talk to either of these guys just in a normal setting if they were in the car going to the next town I guarantee you they would sound like completely normal individuals oh without a doubt yeah and I think that's just something that yeah you can look at at the system and it's just trying to pull uh, a more natural just a n- more natural way of speaking because this is not it we go to the front row and we it's meet it's okay when Humberto Carrillo turns heel he'll just speak a lot of Spanish and that'll work that's perfect um, we met country music stars Hardy and Morgan Wallen yeah, and they started chopping each other, slapping each other. I didn't know what they were doing. I thought they were going to win the 24-7 title, but we didn't get around to that. The OC cut a promo on Randy Orton. They called it the crime of the century last week. Wasn't even the crime of, uh, I guess, the crime of the century this week was Bobby Lashley. Uh, Rey Mysterio, Ricochet, Umberto Carrillo against the OC. Uh, they got the heat on Carrillo for a long, long time. After the break, Ricochet got the hot tag. Things really picked up here, and it turned into like a really entertaining tag here at the end. We had Ricochet just running wild here, standing shooting star. Then Anderson nailed Ricochet from the floor, and Styles then ran into the recoil. Anderson makes the save. There was a 619 to Anderson. Gallows then takes out Ray. At one point, Samoa Joe called it Redneck Kung Fu, what Gallows was doing as a as an ode to Mark Briscoe. Uh, Styles Clash gets countered by Ricochet, hits the Pele kick, and then Ricochet at the end goes for a springboard into a Super Rana, but it's stopped as AJ catches him with a Super Styles Clash off the second turnbuckle, pinning Ricochet in 14 minutes, 36 seconds. I would say from the commercial break on, this was really solid. Really great match, I thought. Again, bolstered by an excellent crowd in Charlotte, even for, or sorry, in Nashville, even for the third hour. Um, great hot tags from Ricochet and Rey Mysterio. As a trio, I really like these three together. You know, all three of them very graceful, very fan friendly. And I think the OC did enough 
here to yeah i'm not a big fan of gallows in ring but like you know it gets the job done here it's fine i want more than anything for ray ricochet and umberto to do a ride-along just to prove my point that these guys i guarantee you that ride-along would be such an eye-opener yeah yeah but a fun match here orton appears from behind nails aj with the rko and that's how we go off the show so Several directions of where they can go with Orton. I hope they're not looking for some multi-person, but you could possibly see them doing some big multiple-person match for this U.S. title. But I would, uh, I could see them just going with Randy and AJ as well. Yep. Uh, I mean, that seems to be the priority at the moment. But yeah, we remain to see where McIntyre might figure into the mix. At the very least, I think we're, I'm happy that he at least gets a story right now. So I really enjoyed tonight's Raw. I think, you know, perhaps it was the crowd in Asheville. Perhaps it was the two-day break I had from WWE content, which is the longest break I've had in quite some time. Um, but I thought it was a well-produced, well-executed show. I'm liking Seth's direction. I I like the use of the jobber matches for de- developing their mid-card. And I was really surprised by the quality and the crowd response to the final hour matches between uh, the, the Warriors and Charlotte in the main event. So overall, I thought, really strong show. No Becky on the show. I mean, I think they're they're wanting to keep her surprised, probably for when she comes and saves Charlotte or something like that. Yeah, and I'm not opposed to if you don't have a solid idea, no reason that you have to just throw people on. But it's it's, it's the Seth Rollins things thing too. I wonder if they're trying to keep her away from it all as Seth, you know, develops his character because inevitably, whenever Becky appears, you're going to need that interaction between the two of them. Yeah, that's something that you may want to stay away from. And yeah, it's a show right now that you can see they are, they're very much in just trying to develop guys. And it's, uh, I think it's very tough to be doing that in this three hour format because you, you are going to be easier. I think it's, I think it can be tougher when you've got so much time to fill and you have such a low amount of stars on this show. And you're removing Becky from the mix and you're just trying to introduce a lot of, of new people. And, you know, we, we had pretty much five squash matches on this show. Right. Yeah. But how do you make stars? I think at the moment, I think that you have to, it seems at the moment, like if you were to say, who are the, the, like, they just seem to be getting a lot of people that they're throwing against the wall and we're going to see who's going to stick. We're going with Ricochet. We're going with Umberto. We're going with Aleister Black. We're going with Drew McIntyre. We're going with Andrade. And not everyone's going to get over. You're pushing a lot of people all at once as opposed to maybe just making it clear who are the two or three that you are going to protect above everybody else. But that's not to say this this method is not going to work. It's going to, like, we'll know in several months, is anyone going to be more over than they are? Um But I I do think that when you're so obviously in a rebuilding phase on Raw, it is a tough ask for people that they're tuning in for three hours and it's it's tough when you you don't have, you know, the level of star power. And I've noticed that a lot since the draft when you've kind of cut this in half and we no longer have the NXT talent on there to kind of uh, camouflage that either. Like this is a show that the people do not view – a strong amount of them as as stars. It's a that's a very small amount that you have to work with. 
Well, if they're committed to this being a growing period, then I I I say they sh- they shouldn't care about how well these shows do. I mean, care to an extent, and if you're really panicking at some point, then yeah. But otherwise, I would rather they spend a lot of this airtime to build guys in jobber matches because I don't think you can just rely on bringing SmackDown talent in or even NXT talent in from time to time. You're gonna have to create your own guys on Raw and. I mean, I feel like that they did a relatively decent job, promising start today with a lot of a lot of their focused talents. Um, I just think that these are go- going to be growing pains while they try to get people up to the standard that they want to have, so that they can find the next Becky or whoever. And realistically, this is the time to be doing it. This is not the time of the year that you need to be peaking for anything big. Like you're not at Rumble season yet. Um, I think that now is the time that they need to be doing this and have that patience. And, you know, we'll we'll see. It's always the possibility that, you know, a bad number comes in and suddenly Vince throws a gasket and he comes out onto TV and everything's being shaken up again. And it becomes very difficult to have that patience when you know this is not going to be a quick fix where in three weeks we're going to have new superstar talent. It's going to be a long, long process to get the Umberto Carrillos of the world uh, over to that kind of a level. And there's there's also no guarantee that they do either. Yeah. So tonight's show on the forum gets a 5.5. And we start off with Paul in New Jersey. Apparently WWE got the memo when it comes to booking baby faces. Rusev looked cool again, while Owens was too smart to fall for a three-on-one double cross. My MVP for the night, however, was Drew McIntyre. Had a great match with Tozawa, cut a killer promo, and bounced in the middle of a bunch of other people uh, fighting as only Drew McIntyre can. If the plan is to turn Rollins heel, I say turn McIntyre face. The guy's very charismatic. Eric Young even got some shine on this show. Hope the ratings don't suck because I like the direction the show is going in. Samoa Joe was once again very good on commentary, breaking down strategy, while reeling in Grandpa Jerry, who sounded like he had never heard the name Tony Nese before tonight. He gives us a 7.5, and I don't see a babyface run for Drew McIntyre the way they, he's being positioned with Randy Orton, who clearly is a face now. I definitely think that it's in Drew's future, um, but I think he's going to get through a few more programs first. I think maybe he – the name hasn't had a real program in months, so I think he's going to maybe ride this heel wave a little bit longer, establish himself a little bit long, longer. Hopefully the fans will like him enough to turn them himself, and it'll feel – a lot more organic than just, you know, because I think a forced McIntyre turn at the moment can potentially work. Uh, I just think he has a lot more mileage as a heel to give. How about this? We talked about this last week. Clearly now, uh, Brock not doing uh, anything before the end of the year. If you're looking at a Rumble opponent, who who are you who are you looking at right now that should be built towards that, that slot? Because I don't see that that Ray feud is, is done with. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um could be Orton, you know, if Orton's a babyface at the moment. Right. I'm trying to think who their other babyfaces are even. Um, who am I thinking of? Ricochet. Ricochet. Um, uh, feels a little Owens. soon. Owens. Yeah. Could. Owens hasn't been done, but yeah. it's... I don't know if I'd want to make him the, the Rumble opponent for, for Brock. Because the I show... Think- if you're turning Seth, like, you do need to make some babyfaces yeah. and... Orton and Owens are your top baby faces now that are there each week. The assumption is that Brock isn't going to lose the belt until Mania, correct? Um, I mean, that could change, of course, but I, I, I certainly don't see Owens beating Brock Lesnar. 
So I wouldn't want to sacrifice Owens while he's still on this up, uh, upward tra- trajectory. So maybe it's somebody like, I don't know, maybe it's somebody like Ricochet or maybe it's somebody like, uh, um, yeah, Randy Orton. I don't know. But I think there, there are at least fresh options that we haven't seen before. We got a Brandon from Oshawa who says, my official prediction for Eric Rowan, it's a mirror and he's talking to his beard. Why didn't those detectives arrest the AOP for kidnapping Kevin Owens? Why did no one care that he was kidnapped? Uh, well, they didn't have a warrant, I suppose. Maybe next week. All the talk about how horrible the cuck ankle is, yet look how over Rusev is again. I like that Rusev and Owens have looked cool and smart. Also, Owens' promo with Lana actually felt real. I like that they were talking over each other. You know, okay. That's people being conditioned to how WWE does things. That was a breath of fresh air that it sounded like a normal argument. Uh, the Owens Lana thing. Yeah, I guess so. But like, you know, certainly I, I, I completely agree that the end result, at least tonight, was that Rusev felt like a much bigger star than he did six months ago when he wasn't doing anything on TV. Same with Lana, you know, not being on TV at all was not doing them anything. So are they better off in this scenario than they were before? Maybe they are. I, I don't have a problem with, I think, the story itself. I just think that the way that these segments played out was so fucking tasteless that I just, I would, I feel like there was a better way to get to this point, maybe an even more effective way of getting to this point without having to like resort to so much like lowest common denominator stuff like, oh, I broke my back having sex or um, like no, some of the other. No, he pulled his groin way. He pulled his groin. Okay, whatever. Like whatever stupid shit that we've had to sit through over the past several months. That's what I don't like. I don't hate the fact at all that we're getting some type of love triangle between these three. That, in essence, is great. Of course, Rusev, like being the the, the scorn lover who has to get back, uh, get revenge on on you know this person who's cheated on her. That in itself is fine. I just feel like there's a far more tasteful way to get there than than what we saw. What what do you think is the the peak for this this angle? Like, how much more can you get out of this with Lashley and Rusev? Um. Well, they didn't. They, they have they to didn't, do the match, obviously. Yeah, they didn't properly do the match. I mean, I think with the way that that it's going, they I could see them peaking it at least for the Rumble, if not even for Mania. That might be a little bit for too Mania. Long. You think they can hold this off till Mania? Well, I'm just trying to think what else they might have have going on. But um, you know, you can certainly see a series of matches matches between these two. They they've spent so much time on it that just to extinguish it in one. If it wasn't working, then I could see them ending it in one, but I, I think it actually is working. Nas from New York City. Did King just say shoot him to the cops when Rusev attacked Lashley? Oh, given, the, given the number of unarmed Americans that have died at the hands of police in this country, that's an appalling thing to say. I understand that he misspoke, but it just shows the mindset of a really sick individual because shooting someone isn't the first thing that would pop up in any normal person's <laughs> mind. <laughs> Love Kevin Owens truth bombing all over that opening segment. Also refreshing to see a baby face. I mean, I hate to even try to defend it, but I do sense that King is becoming more of a heel on commentary. Oh, he absolutely is. I mean, he was running down all the baby faces on this show. I think like, you know, he was saying Tony Nese, he was saying like he has no chance of winning tonight. He's certainly trying to definitely be go, go the heel route. Yeah. Says he, uh, uh, this wasn't a home run show by any means, but I can see that they're trying to build storylines, which will certainly help them in the future. The Viking Raiders explaining the process of their name change and raw debuts on Graves 
podcast. Uh, and the New Day explained the creative process of how they were formed were both awesome to listen to. Okay, it's talking about the uh, the podcast. I haven't heard the New Day uh, podcast nor their appearance on Graves' show, but I believe I, I read some of Andrew Thompson's notes or somebody's notes. Um, I think it was you, Andrew. But um, I believe the Viking Raiders said that the Vince wanted the name, the word Viking in there. <laughs> so, so there's yeah, that. Yeah, they had to change it like War Machine they could not use because of uh, John Copenhaver. Was that the reason? The UFC fighter, they were saying like they wow. didn't. They so it didn't wasn't want... because of war, but because of like War Machine, the 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 piece of shit MMA yeah. fighter and human being. Got it. They 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 had said that you know if people go and, and Google their name, they don't want that coming up. Oh, that okay. So it wasn't that he copywrote it or something like that. No, no, no. It, it was it was more so. It just they didn't want to have the association. That that's how I read it. Yet another thing to dislike that person for. Okay. We got an MJ who says, really enjoyed Charlotte versus Kabuki Warriors. That match hit a gear I wasn't expecting after the commercial break. Why wouldn't WWE put the WWE title on AJ and make the OC the main faction like the Undisputed Era? Feels like there would be more to do with that than a meaningless singles, uh, meaningless six-man tag. Um, well, they want Brock it on Brock. Is, yeah, they, they want it on Brock. Brock's their top guy, and they're willing to sacrifice the lack of presence of, of Brock. And I... I, I think that the mentality has shifted of the idea that we have to have all our stars on TV every week. I mean, we saw tonight with, with Becky. It's it's not uncommon now. And I think that with Brock, I wonder if they even view it as as a negative if he's not there every week or not. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So I agree, MJ, that I think the title would be better served on somebody. I just don't know if the OC or that faction, you know, even with the belt – um, certainly it would put a bigger spotlight on AJ, but I just, I don't know if Gallows and Anderson would be revered the same way that, you know, the rest of Undisputed Era are, at least in front of a raw audience. I'm not so sure. To me, they're still somewhat unproven, whereas I think Fish and O'Reilly and, and, and Strong are just such, so fantastic every single time that they show up. I don't feel that same way with Gallows and Anderson. We go to Brian from, oh, sorry, your turn. Uh, Brian from New York, largely an enjoyable raw. I'm liking how many lower card squash matches they've been utilizing lately. McIntyre and Drade, Rowan and Black all benefiting from situations that make them feel special. They seem to have caught a bit of a stride with finding the right tone with a bunch of guys and look like they're starting to line up their rumble contenders with Owens and McIntyre stepping to the forefront. Even the U.S. title picture seems to be as fresh as it has been in a while with a strong group gunning for it. One of the few gripes I had with tonight's show was the handicap women's match. It was a good match, as was last week's, but it feels like they should have started with someone a little lower in the pecking order than Charlotte for the Kabuki Warriors to be beating before Charlotte got brought in as reinf- I think probably means Becky as reinforcement. Um, I'm still having trouble rooting against someone like Kyrie Sane when we can see the size difference between her and the monster of the vision. It seems to be hurting the crowd reactions a bit. Eight corrupt Tennessee cops out of ten, and... If they're going to keep rotating guest analysts as the third man in the booth, who would you like to see get a shot there once Joe is healthy? I don't want to see them keep rotating people. I think, I don't know, it just confuses the brand. Um, once Joe is healthy, though. Hmm. Yeah, he's he's much more needed on the show than being uh, on the desk. So once he's healthy, he goes back. Um, I, I think you just look at, you just... Whether you audition guys, if you're not going to use Dio Madden, find someone that's not being utilized. I yeah. I am sure that there is some gem that 
just no one's even utilizing right now. I I suppose like Paige has had enough appearances on commentary that maybe they don't for some reason consider her, but I feel like she could be good at the role. Um obviously not in the same style as Joe, but like you got to look at who who's sort of out there that has wrestling experience that can talk uh within their I mean system. They, they've been using Mickey James on main event. Right. Okay. So, but she's injured too, you know, so when she comes back, she might not have that role. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Well, well like, that would be someone, I, I haven't heard her on main event. If she was really good at it, I would be saying like, this is your role now at this point sure. of, of your career and have a serious discussion about transitioning her to that role. If, if you feel like she is good enough and you want to make that investment in her, um, she, she's at a stage now. It's not like you're. You need her because she's going to be prime for a big title program. I mean, she is, she's in that role in the women's division. That's not going to be a featured one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there could be. I mean, there could be so many people back there. I, I can't. Nobody really comes to mind. Otherwise, at the moment of, of who would be amazing for the job, because we haven't seen him. I wouldn't even have suggested Joe until we we heard him. Cassius Ono would be fantastic. Well, I was actually just thinking that myself, but I don't, I don't know what the status of his interim career is. Uh, but I agree with you. He seems like he would be somebody who could do a really great job. Like that, that NXT system. I mean, they've got Carino there. They've got yeah. Ono there. I mean, they, if they ever need a color guy in a pinch, they do not have to look far. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That is all of the feedback uh, from everyone. So thank you for everyone checking out the show. Wait, how much of Royal Rumble 2000 do you have left? What are you up to? Got quite a bit. I got more than okay. half the show, but you know what? I'm a, I'm a bit of a night owl anyway, so I'll be perfectly fine for a recording tomorrow morning. All right. Well, if you uh, get through the uh, the bikini contest, uh, good luck. And we will be reviewing that. On Tuesday night is Rewind Away number 50. Chatting about that show and everything that was going on in the World Wrestling Federation in January of 2000. So you can check that out. Tony Arthur is our Espresso Executive Producer. And that's going to wrap it up. Thank you for listening to Rewind a Raw. Store.postwrestling.com to get a little bit of the foily.